five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Hey, space enthusiasts. So, India's space sector is really blasting off. Yeah, that, that was a cheap pun. But among other things, as you're probably well aware, India just became only the fourth country to soft land on the moon. So it makes sense that we'll have more Indian space companies and space people as guests on this podcast. Our first one is Tushar Jadhav. He's the founder and CEO of Manas 2 Space a propulsion startup from Mumbai that recently announced a $3 million financing round. Please enjoy hearing about Manas2 and space in India in general. My name is Raphael Rodkin, and I'm an investor and advisor to space companies. Just as a reminder, this podcast is for informational purposes only, and nothing should be taken as investment advice. This podcast is sponsored by Nanoavionics, a satellite manufacturer and mission integrator. Their technologies enable many space companies worldwide to offer services that improve life right here on Earth, such as providing global connectivity, conducting Earth observation, or contributing to scientific discoveries. Check them out, and also check out my episode with the CEO and co-founder. Sadly, I am not a rocket scientist, but I'm an alumnus of the International Space University. ISU offers a number of educational programs about space worldwide. Check them out at isunet.edu. And just some final things before we start the episode about ourselves. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple or Spotify. If you want us help expand our work, you can do so and support us at www.patreon.com forward slash space business podcast. And we'll also put that link in the episode notes. And lastly, you can follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore space. Hey, space enthusiasts, we're back from our summer break. It's time for new episodes of the Space Business Podcast, and we have a super timely episode. I'm sure many, if not most of our listeners may have been watching the Indian Chandraya 3 mission to the moon. It's obviously a successful soft landing on the moon. And I think that has really brought home the point to anybody who wasn't aware yet that India is, I was going to say a rising space power, but frankly, it's an existing space power. It's just really illustrated this point very, very strongly. And speaking, wearing my venture capital hand for a moment, I think there's just so much more uh, in terms of exciting things in space to come out of India. So in this vein, very happy to have a prominent Indian space startup on the podcast today, Manus2 Space, represented by their co-founder and CEO, Tusha Jadhav. Welcome, Tusha. Thank you, Rafael. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And so why don't we start as we always start when we have a startup on. Tusha, do you mind giving us the elevator pitch on Manas 2, please? We're building green propulsion system for satellites to replace old, toxic, to be replaceable, hydrazine-based propulsion system and making it more efficient, uh, cost-effective, and also adding more uh, functionalities on top of that, that maybe you can add intelligence and to the debris collision avoidance and the services on top of that. So currently focusing on green propulsion system, which is around 30% more uh, efficient, 50% more affordable, uh, and around as much as three times uh, safe in terms of toxicity level. So that's what currently we are focusing on. And so let's expand a little bit on this word green. 
because obviously that sort of brings in a sustainability angle, which is also sort of obviously a big theme in all industries worldwide. What what, what precisely makes it green? And since we're like a non-technical podcast, maybe you can just expand for a couple of minutes, sort of like why satellite propulsion currently isn't green. So let me let me explain first what what the propulsion system is and what is the need of it. Mm-hmm. You can imagine propulsion system is like uh, what steering wheel and engine is for your car. Same the propulsion system is for the satellite. So uh, you use steering wheel and engine to move when you want to move from one side to another side to go from one destination to another destination to avoid the incoming traffic. Exactly the same is the role of a propulsion system in terms of function wise to go move a satellite from one particular location where the rocket leaves the satellite to the location where it is supposed to go and then maneuver itself in a particular orientation and maintain that orientation so that antenna points towards Earth and uh, your solar panel points towards the sun. So all these maneuvers, uh, including now the problem of the debris is coming. Debris, you can imagine, is like you're on highway and there is a lot of traffic coming towards you. And if you see something coming directly towards you, you want to move. And that's the job of propulsion system to actually move the satellite. So all those things are done using the propulsion system. For that, the satellites carry the, uh, most of the satellite carry a dedicated uh, fuel with the tank and then the engines called thrusters around it, depending on the uh, type of your propulsion system. And you control the thruster either autonomously or uh, manually depending on the requirement. So, so this is more or less uh, what the role of propulsion system is. So now coming to the green point. So for last 60 years, 50 years, I will say at least, uh, people have been using all the space agencies and large uh, satellites have been using something called as a hydrazine as a fuel for the satellite. We call it the propellant. Fuel, this hydrazine is very toxic uh, in terms of uh, if the hydrazine falls in your on your hand, if you inhale the fumes of hydrazine, those are very toxic. The toxicity goes in the orders of, you know, close to, say, cyanide. It is in that order of magnitude toxic. Why, what does that do to the people? So if you are someone who is handling, you are doing some development or you are putting the fuel into the satellite, you can imagine this is a very, very big risk for the whoever is handling. And the fumes, if you are doing the regular, some development, the longer exposure that gives you the cancer. Definitely that you don't want as a humanity aspect. The second aspect is the cost aspect. Imagine you are like, you have to carry one bottle of water uh, one liter of water versus say one liter of say cyanide. The cost will be very different. The mode will be very different. The way you will transport the safety precautions, they will be very different. And that adds up to the cost. As the more and more uh, industry is getting conscious about the cost, and uh, that being one of the major separating factors between the different products, uh, we believe that was, you know, that, that was a requirement from the industry. So because of the toxicity, a lot of European, uh, European uh, in Europe, there is a program called under uh, called a REACH program under which they have blacklisted it or, or they are under the watch list. This hydrazine is under watch list because of its toxicity nature and for the businesses because it adds up into the cost. So there has been a demand and there has been a search for something that is safe to handle, maybe a same performance or better performance in terms of uh, specific impulse. Specific impulse is like what mileage is for a car. So specific impulse is for the satellites and satellite fuel and something that is more cost affordable. So safe, efficient and affordable uh, fuel 
is called as the green fuel generally that is a you know uh, accepted widely definition of uh, what is the green fuel for the satellite means so just adding to them then why now and why not so many why why so many years they have been well for a simple reason people are well versed with how the system works okay what are the components how what are the weighted parts what how the what will be the uh, there is a catalyst material how the engines will be what will be the storage condition how the fuel will behave under different different temperature in different conditions so people knew that well that was very well established and so there was no real you know push because the governments were doing the, all the missions and if you are government your focus will be to get the mission successfully rather than reducing the cost or reducing you know uh, focusing on so much of sustainability so so that so when the you know when more and more commercialization sta- started being a main center stage taking more center stage uh, then and then then that comment that requirement started and since 2010 11 12 uh, the sustainability angle started playing a bigger role in terms of the it getting banned in are looking to be banned in europe so alternative that that became another driving factor so that's why there is a quest for a new green safe efficient affordable fuel and then the system around it okay so why was hydro i mean with all of these disadvantages why was hydrazine originally chosen i mean was it like it had like for example really good energy density or like you tell me and then whatever it was which which was the big advantage of hydrazine i i guess we can now start to replicate these advantages with other fuels and why is that now possible right so in us in 60 70 uh, there were a lot of quest for finding the uh, best possible propulsion system basically effectively the fuel and then the rest of the system around it and then hydrogen was one of the contenders and then there was a lot of quest to uh, find out there is a material called as a catalyst that sits inside the engines this thrusters and that becomes a you know secret ingredient that becomes a key to success of your uh, propulsion system the longer the life it can survive the longer the mission life more the fuel you can carry and then it can last for say 5 years 7 years easily so that was one of the major factor and the shell came up with a very interesting design of a catalyst after multiple iterations and that become a you know industry gold standard and so everyone started looking using it and that become a uh, parallelly because now that become a one important standard people start develop the remaining components like a tank how to handle it what to store into it even though it was toxic and dangerous but people created sops with that safety protection with that so and the cost was not a major constraint that time so they were okay to take those risks uh, in return they were okay because they they had a sense system that was reliable so that was being a major you know uh, factors that led gave rise to hydrazine in 70s 80s and then it became a de facto sh- uh, choice going forward till 2000 2010 or so and then they quest for alternative after that and so what is your system now using and how does it sort of compare to hydrazen yeah so uh, when we started finding the alternative and the one thing that was there was a hydrogen peroxide which was used even before hydrazen came into the picture and it was used in the v2 rocket v2 rockets and even in the some of the current uh, russian mission soyuz mission the hydrazen hydrogen peroxide is used to some extent is their gas generator so hydrazen peroxide had some advantage obviously and some of the disadvantage uh, advantage was it was easily available like it was safe to handle in terms of toxicity uh, 
Uh, the disadvantage was it had a lower performance than hydrazine and uh, you know the science the materials were not evolved which can store the hydrogen peroxide reliably that was a major challenge so what we did is and of course, as this is the same hydrogen peroxide is what we used to clean our wound you know uh, mm-hmm. and it's an antiseptic yeah antiseptic that 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 speaks about that it is safe to handle because we already put it in our body to some extent so we started with hydrogen peroxide and we which are safe to handle uh, of course you need to t- respect the hydrogen peroxide because of stabilities and all those things are uh, if you maintain the cleanliness you you follow the proper protocol hydrogen peroxide is good friend that way so over the period of time people established all this protocol what material to use what handling to use so hydrogen peroxide became started becoming a very interesting choice and then but still its performance was low so we added some additives into hydrogen peroxide to increase its performance and increase its life to high, with a higher performance of base being a hydrogen peroxide and with added per, uh, additives to increase the life we got sort of a best of the both world in terms of safety and the cost hydrogen peroxide is readily available and in terms of uh, higher efficiency due to our addition into the of additives into hydrogen peroxide so this combination together is the first innovation that we started with which is hydrogen peroxide based uh, fuel as you can call the question is what is the best what is uh, what is the advantage of course uh, first is the safety uh, it is as safe as water because you know we put it into the wound uh, once you maintain the cleanliness it is safe to handle that is the first one the major one is the uh, performance and the cost so the cost of uh, the performance of uh, system that we are building we are targeting around 30 to 40% at least 30% higher efficiency density isp we call it as a and as much as 50% lower cost of the whole system because hydrogen peroxide we use then we we know the, the material that we need to use along with the hydrogen peroxide are also readily available then the some of the you know uh, polymers that are also available because the material has been well developed for last 50 60 years so thanks to that so the cost of overall system development goes down and that adds up into the cost of one unit system uh, that we will sell it to the customer so safe efficient and affordable uh, are the three major advantage with our propulsion system uh, with the hydrogen peroxide based propulsion system that we are developing and, and i guess as you mentioned before part of that cost advantage is probably that the handling because the handling is safe it Absolutely. you don't need like a whole lot of expensive safety protocols exactly so my team just currently works with the basic ppe kit as a safety goggle uh, the coat and the cap and that should be good to go but if you are handling hydrazine you need to wear whole self breathing suit similar to what similarly astronauts use uh, which has a self breathing techniques and everything and uh, that's adds up a cost you can as you can imagine imagine and of course transportation is another uh, another problem challenge with it and and so if i remember i mostly know hydrogen peroxide as in its household use as an antiseptic one thing i seem to remember is that it's it's sort of unstable it decomposes yes. quickly but maybe this is because it reacts with atmosphere and this is not an issue in space or so uh hydrogen peroxide uh, first thing the the baseline is we need to respect hydrogen peroxide so it, we cannot take it lightly when uh, what do i mean the, why i say that way so uh, there are two three factors that makes hydrogen peroxide unstable you can say imagine it's a it's a person and it gets angry with some of the few things that is first is uh, impurities if you are not proper impurities are not properly maintained then that gets uh, hydrogen peroxide get destabilizes and start decomposing mm. second thing is uh, 
the your containers the tanks and the places where the, you are storing that has to be properly uh, you know made the surface uh, suitable for hydrogen peroxide that means you need to clean it properly you need to have a smooth surface so some of the processing needs to be done properly so you need to have that done beforehand good thing is all the literatures and the processes are available for that how to do those things and then the third thing is uh, in terms of you need to have some mechanism if things starts going wrong in terms of if start decomposing you need to have some way to release that pressure the pressure builds up and so that you can contain that reaction so preventive measures that initial precaution that you need to take care and if just in case something happen you need to have an option to be safe so with that we believe and even you saw a lot of nasa has been developing a lot more they are investing very uh, quite big way in a hydrogen peroxide based system of course uh, in europe us has been uh, developing uh, russia has been developing hydrogen peroxide based system for quite some time and so one more question on 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 hydrogen peroxide mm -hmm. so one other you know trend or topic whatever you want to call it in the space sector has been the potential of refueling satellites and and i think the jury on whether this is a really big market is, is still out but let's leave that to one side for the moment is it is so hydrogen peroxide is it amenable to refueling as well like is it would it be possible to store hydrogen peroxide in let's say refueling stations in orbit absolutely absolutely i mean that's a that's at manas so that's a next definitely a plan for next 10 years going forward so we don't throw away our cars uh, once they are used one time so why to satellite so that's the whole understanding behind it and if you can refuel it uh, you can have a lot of mission flexibility so that can add a you don't need to launch uh, a completely fueled satellite so that adds up a lot of avenues for the satellite people they get a lot of mission flexibility and the hydrogen peroxide and the uh, the work that we are doing is definitely on that line can we create a system where we give our propulsion system with hydrogen peroxide with it to the customer and then have the option to refuel the same uh, satellite afterwards with our you know maybe a fuel station in space what similarly what orbit fab is doing can we do that for our specific propellant because anyway our propellant is already there in the satellite so that's that's definitely been a you know major major interesting development that is happening maybe for next 5 to 7 years in space and so just finishing up on the technology aspect mm -hmm. so probably a lot of our listeners are already aware that generally speaking about in space propulsion there's you can divide it into two big classes for the moment the chemical propulsion but then also something called electric propulsion electric. where yeah. which is which is used a lot and where basically a, a, ga a gas is ionized well usually a gas is ionized and this is something for example that the the spacex starlink satellites are using as a, a propulsion system do you just very briefly want to like you know, compare the two approaches, electric and chemical propulsion, and sort of the relative advantages and disadvantages? Yeah, of course. So uh, definitely the electric uh, propulsion makes a very exciting field, uh, we believe. And rather than competitor, I'll say the both technologies need to work hand in hand, uh, depending on the mission and depending on uh, pros and cons, or either both together sometimes, or maybe depending on the mission, you select the both, select one of them. So. As the name suggests, electric propulsion, you have electricity, uh, using the electricity, you ionize, ionize the gas and the through magnetic field, you accelerate the ions through the changing electromagnetic field, you accelerate at very high velocity. So the good thing about electric is they give a, get a very high, something called as ISP, specific impulse, uh, like mileage I told. 
the challenge so so that means for a particular amount of fuel that you are carrying the gases you are carrying you can go you can produce a larger impulse that is the requirement of a satellite the challenge with the electric propulsion is because you need a, a a generates a very small thrust and so because of the increasing debris problem as well as the solar wind related challenges you know the starling lost a lot of sat- satellites because they could not control when the solar wind was happening because the, the thrust was not enough to counter the the drag produced because of the solar solar wind and of course the time needed for particular maneuver from going from one place one orbit to another orbits are significantly higher and the more time is lost opportunity uh so so exact as you can imagine the opposites are the advantages so the chemical the efficiency is in terms of absolute numbers is uh, lesser than electric the advantages are you can generate one newton 10 newton thrust at very short duration very quickly and for quite some longer durations so depending on your requirement and you can move the satellite very quickly so another interesting area that we believe that you know that will shape the discussion between electric and the chemical maybe the how the starship economy you know the starship economy is a lot of we have read a couple of places the starship economy economy where the starship will be a major launching player where the volume will not be a big constraint even the weight will not be the bigger constraint it will be your size of system and the time will be a major selection factor so we believe uh, chemical propulsion with higher thrust so that you save a lot of time because their time becomes your major uh, saving factor rather than weight uh, and even the volume and with the options of refueling uh, you can achieve the best of the both worlds so you save time and also you get a lot of mission flexibility so that's what we believe you know future will be going forward from chemical propulsion system wise yeah it sounds almost like the sort of the advantages of electric propulsion really high efficiency it kind of it would make sense like uh, when you started um, here at, um, today in our podcast some point in time you went through how propulsion is used and you said like okay to point the satellite in the right way i guess would be some, would be sometimes called station keeping right station and i guess because that's not super time sensitive necessarily yeah. um, that's i guess electric propulsion is very could be uh, very well used for that yeah. but then every time one thinks of like a higher some maneuver that, that requires a higher agility. Um, and you mentioned kind of getting to your, you know, changing orbits or getting to your operational orbit. And you mentioned Starship. And of course, if SpaceX is going to continue with Starship, what they're already doing now with Falcon 9, which is sort of these shared transporter missions where everybody gets, everybody's satellites get kicked out at the same place. And then you have to go to your final orbit. Then, you know, yeah, like you said, you don't want to use time and you want uh, some, some some form of agile propulsion, I guess, either on board your own satellite, or maybe you use a space tug. But in that case, the space tug needs the, the, the powerful system. propulsion. Yes. Yes. propulsion like you. So, yeah. Absolutely. So um, you're, you're bang on the point. Exactly the point, yes. So, no, very interesting. And so let's talk about your product in a little bit more detail. So, for example, your first propulsion unit that's going to come onto the market, like what, what class of satellites is it targeting? Uh, so more... So immediately, uh, that immediately for next 12 months is what we are targeting is uh, 2U class, 3U class propulsion system that will go into say 10U, 12U or 20U class satellites. So we believe that will be, that is one market. So that will be A, partly to the, the do the tech demonstration and so that we have, uh, you know, get some flight heritage to some of our critical technology. Uh, the point of B is when we are getting a lot of interest from the customers for that class of uh, propulsion system. So 2U to 3U kind of propulsion system with one Newton thrust, 
thruster basically of capacity of one newton. And parallelly, we believe the other major market is definitely a satellite of 100-150 kg class and little more than that. So that class, 150 kg class, anywhere between 100 kg to 250-300 kg class satellite. So that is another class of satellite that we are targeting with one Newton thruster and the system around it. So initially, 2U class system and then uh, then around 150 kg class satellite propulsion system. That's what we are currently working on. And your business model here is to sell those propulsion systems by the unit or is there something something else like we've seen some for example some propulsion providers come up now with sort of a per use type business models yeah so uh, currently uh, we are having the as a you know as a product market rather than per use market we going forward we are exploring can we have a per use market especially if we can get the refueling done then that becomes a the fuel also becomes another uh, commodity that can be that we can have as a service on top of that so per use becomes a very interesting after that so we are exploring all the options so currently we are going with the propulsion system as a product option and so for for the people who pay per unit because of the various advantages you have discussed like using the green fuel fuel that requires less handling i assume you expect basically a price advantage compared to currently available systems absolutely absolutely Okay, and when when will those systems be available for order? Well, hopefully you can order, but the development is uh, maybe in the next twelve months we'll do the first flight testing, so we should get a data in in maybe after two to three months in the downtime. So after that we should be able to deliver some of the two U class system, uh, hoping that things goes right. And this is this this uh, in orbit demonstration, the flight test. This is going to be. Do you already know is this going to be, for example, on a customer satellite or some sort of hosted mission or? We are that? figuring out so if anyone is if we can partner with. We are definitely looking for this partner. So either the upper stages of launch vehicle as a platform, like what is road as some of the testing, uh, versus someone who is part some partner as well as, or we can uh, book a slot also on one of some of if there's some satellite is in that targeted in that. So we are now exploring all the options or some of the university missions who are proven missions proven satellite platform, so we can target with them. Uh, we are exploring all the options right now. And if someone is open for collaboration, we are happy to do that. And I guess your main customer group are the, the companies operating satellite constellations of the size classes yeah. you mentioned, or is there any other type of um, customer yeah. group that comes to mind? Definitely those uh, those people, uh, 15, 20 kg class, uh, uh, 12U, 16U, 20U kg satellite, uh, U satellite. Uh, another is 100, 150 kg class satellites. Another class that we are seeing, uh, you know, interesting development with is uh, with a mission sample return mission kind of thing, uh, where you go do some science experiments or some production and then bring the samples back, uh, bring the material back. So they need a very good precise control with high thrust for their mission because the life mission life is generally six months and they need a very uh, controlled re-entry for that. So the, all the re-entry missions we see are seeing a very interesting uh, prospects with them. And your propulsion units will be assembled in India? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yes, absolutely. And is that is, so? Is, are there any considerations in terms of you know export controls, things like ITA, or is it is it actually an advantage because you you know you may not have to comply with as many ex export controls as some other countries? Uh, ITAR generally, they as uh, we selling it more of a components are we buying from US companies selling it to foreign countries. So we have seen that becoming a 
that is very strictly how they follow the other way rounds are comparatively uh, comparatively much much relaxed option that that gives us option that when we are going selling it, selling it to the say europe or your uh, japan customer then the regulatory issues are much clearer or much simpler in india so we just need a couple of permissions from the ministries and very we are closely working with them already so well after that we are able to sell it so we see that as a slight advantage if you can call mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and so coming back to your sort of company timeline so your current status i guess is you're developing the system for the first flight test is that fair to say absolutely okay and then you conduct a flight test you analyze the results and then i guess if everything looks well you're going to start looking to to scale up and fulfill customer absolutely. orders absolutely so we are already talking to the customer uh, so we'll keep them ready and uh, parallelly the development and was the development is uh, at least the first flight demonstration is done we start delivering to some other system parallelly we'll invest more on to uh, 750 kg class propulsion systems also and uh, doing the flight demonstration for that system also and uh, and of course we'll set up some of the manufacturing depending on how the orders looks like and how the order books looks like and how the interest looks like yes and then you mentioned there may be some eventually some add on services or products like to refueling yes yes Actually, on that, you've mentioned space debris and, of course, the importance of propulsion to space, um, well, to to collision avoidance, I should say, whether yes. that's with debris or even other objects a few times. Is that something you, you're looking to actively get involved in some way as well, beyond just absolutely, the propulsion system? Absolutely, absolutely. We are already engaging with some of the companies uh, in India, outside India. Who are, who are, so our propulsion system and then the intelligence about the debris uh, and then the probability of debris hitting uh using the data from this uh, data companies uh, who are doing the space situational awareness so their data and our propulsion system as a we can call as actuator and as complete uh, flight collision avoidance system what is there in the sat- uh, in the airplane something can be done in the satellite is what uh, we are currently exploring and we are seeing a lot of interesting development so we are working with couple of people to do that so that will be the next add on version for this propulsion system So because right now to my best knowledge this this whole process is basically completely manual right Absolutely. like you said there's some companies providing the data and then if there's a risk of collision somebody basically manually takes the decision and executes on on moving out of the way or decides who should move out of the way so if i understand it correctly what you would be looking to do is sort of like work with some you know some or more of these ssa companies and even some in india right like um diganta right? i guess yeah. as an example and and work together and put something that's integrated where maybe at the end it's like even fully autonomous absolutely that's the, exactly the plan to start with. okay and so if you take all of this together sort of like starting from propulsion system potential add- and then different size classes um, potential add-on services in your and the co-founders minds like i don't know 10 years from now what's your vision for the company what would you like manas 2 to be uh what manas 2 to be like solving the larger problems of the society in terms of making the space sustainable and creating a happy culture at our ever end in the company so these are the two you know uh, major goal that we are working with so uh, creating a culture in our company where people want to work innovate you know fail and then succeed eventually and for a greater good of ensuring the space remains sustainable and that has actual benefits for the people so uh, that's how the story also of manas to space started if we get a time we can get into how the manas to started and that's why the roots are so that's why we always look out for that option that those things 
That was actually my, that was literally my next question. I wanted to jump back to the very beginning and hear the origin story, like how you guys came up with this and, and why, why you originally wanted to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So story of Manastu started actually much before Manastu space actually started. Uh, me and my co-founder, we were a student in a university called IIT Bombay. And uh, we were fresher first year, second, first year in the college. I and we saw that there was a team that was building a satellite. You know, this was 2008 and 9. And space was not cool though. I mean, it was just uh, cool enough that, uh, but not in the reach of people who what to do and what not to do. No one knows. So we said, ah, this is something interesting. Then I dig deep and then joined the team. And then one thing, another, uh, I was a part of the team. So one of the application of the satellite, the payload of the satellite was to get the early warning of a tsunami. So how we are doing is we are studying some ionosphere uh, in the atmosphere. And when the tsunami happens, you see a lot of fluctuation in the ionosphere. And if you have a satellite on top of that area, a constellation of the such a satellite, you can get an early warning that tsunami is about to reach. There is uh, into your shore and you can get some 5 to 10 minutes early warning. And that 5 to 10 minutes early warning with a proper rescue plan can mean a saving of a life of maybe if not few hundred thousand dollars, definitely few hundreds uh, hundreds of life for sure. So, you know, we were working with one of the universities from France near Paris and we realized as a young miner is very you know, fascinated by that. So space, tsunami, saving the lives. And that, that was like, it was a eureka moment for me personally. That, oh, this is very interesting. And because internet was already a big, so you realize that it's a platform. Like the space is a platform to solve the problems. And it has a real meaningful capabilities to solve the real meaningful problems. So, so that was our why we do that. To solve the problems using the space as a platform and ensuring that the space remains sustainable. Then fast forward to that 2016, after a lot of hard works of multiple years, you know, multiple time uh, project coming to close and then again reviving convincing uh, ISRO to finally launch the satellite into the space. In 2016, we launched the satellite. And uh, the day the satellite got launched, you can imagine it was the October sky moment for us, if you've seen the movie October Sky. So how, what, the way, they, mm -hmm. what happened when they, for the, when they first time launched the rocket. So that was exactly the moment. We cried, you know, we were like a baby. And I will not even trade that experience for say multi-million dollar because that's very invaluable personally for me and my whole team that time. So that day something changed. That day we realized this is a passion. You know, we felt something complete. This is what we want to do the rest of the life. So this purpose of building space technologies to solve the problems on the earth and ensuring that it remains sustainable so that the benefits reach the last person. And this passion of building space technology is something that is hard, but something that is so rewarding into the space. So this put together is when in 2017-18, we founded Manastu Space. So this passion married with the purpose is when the Manastu Space was born. And so for, probably specifically for our non-Indian listeners, what, what does the name actually mean? Does it name anything? Manastu? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Manastu is a Sanskrit. Sanskrit is the oldest language known for the mankind. It is in in, in we call it as a God's language. So it is called as a man means mind and astu means fulfilling your wish. So fulfilling your wish in what a wish in your mind. So that, that's a manastu's meaning. Okay, very cool. And so you said uh, just before that when you started out, space was, was not yet seen as cool. So now, you know, 10 plus years on, or 
I guess even almost 15 years on, space in India seems seems very cool, um, I guess. I mean, I've seen these um, sort of uh, video clips um, from public places with screens when Chandrayaan was landing, and it, it, it looked like people were watching like a sports event or something. I mean, it was... It was actually crazy good to see how people would get so excited about, um, you know, like a, a science a science mission. And so, since space is cool now, do, can you talk a little bit more about sort of like since since you are you're based in in Mumbai, right? Yeah. Okay. Can you talk a little bit about sort of like your view of the uh, current status of the Indian uh, space ecosystem, like um, how it's evolving? You know, how much. Um, how many other startups there are, like um, how the support is, support both from government, local VC community, whatever, just like a general, like general overview of the Indian space uh, startup community in your view. Well, uh, so this Chandrayaan landing was, you know, uh, what moon landing was for US. Uh, and, you know, it, it sparked a new whole generation with the new aspirations, uh, when the when humans landed on moon so that's something similar of that order was the moment for chandrayaan and for india so it was you can imagine what the uh, you can imagine it was probably the bigger than any of the as much as any of the if not bigger than any of the sports big events like a cricket or football in the any of the western countries so that whole ISRO's missions and no, we have a very different before I get into the whole ecosystem on the space and India, what is happening. So let me spend some time about the ISRO and the role of ISRO and the space. So for Indians, uh, space is, it's very dear. I mean, more than any, I, I can't find any other word than being very dear to us, what ISRO has done. And, you know, we, we associate India's growth, our own personal growth with ISRO's growth. I mean, when ISRO succeeds, the world country succeeds. And when ISRO uh, cries, we cry. So, so that is, you know, that is the relation that we have. And I, I believe it's very hard for you. You can have it your company, but having it with some of the government entity, that relation is, I think that is very rare. And thanks to the founding fathers of the Indian space, uh, including uh, Vikram Sarabhai and then uh, Abdul Kalam, who was the president, and then few more lot lot and lot many people who worked after that uh, in isro so thanks to those people so we have that very you know very close intricate and to you know very dear relation if i can say that way and so and then chandrayaan one then mangal uh, moon mission mark mission and then uh, failure of chandrayaan two and then chandrayaan t success it was you can see us like a bollywood uh, hollywood movie with a with a very interesting climax being the chandrayaan and then successful landing being the successive success, successful climax of of that movie so that is that is exactly the case with what chandrayaan achieve, could achieve with the indian mindset and one mission was one part i mean the success and all the things one thing that was very happy for us personally was that people got excited i mean we got a lot of kids got excited and they started exploring and asking questions oh what is there on moon? What can we do? Can I go? I have a niece of three years and she is also already saying that, oh, when can I go to the moon? I want to go to moon. And that's, you never know. I mean, the dreams do come true. And those are, this was the dreaming moment that has come true for a lot of Indians. And that is a future dreams for the next generation that will be coming up. So 
so that did lot more than just a science for the country uh, science is still the exact results and will still come out slowly slowly we could found the sulfur and all those things but a lot more of things will come out as and when the time process but more than that we have, india got united you can say uh, our hopes that that was a very hope moment for us even the g20 meeting and the whole prime minister was in bricks and we got a lot of geopolitical advantage or geopolitical soft soft points we could score in that uh, bricks summit in south africa that time when the prime minister was there so all in all that has been a very very interesting uh, event and success uh, chandrayaan 3 had coming to the ecosystem in terms of the startup and funding so government so hard for our personal experience things were very tough uh till 2 3 years ago for any deep tech startup funding let alone the space funding thankfully with a lot of change reforms at the government level and uh initiatives by the isro and even the ministry and you know whole transition towards sustainability deep tech and technology that has a hardware as a pro- as a as a main product versus you know app based systems fintech and then e-commerce which was major uh highlight of the startup ecosystem in the last decade uh, that shifted to hardware and the more environment and the space and the healthcare related development in this this last 2 3 years this decade so thanks to the policies thanks to the that policy leading up to the you know slowly slowly change in the mindset of the investors the uh, angels came up initially and then the early stage vcs now we are seeing the uh, series a series b stage vcs uh, stepping up forward and then putting in uh, more money into the startup and then uh, indian startup being attracting the foreign money that is another hallmark so so that has fueled the growth significantly third has been access to isro's critical facilities as isro gave all the startups uh, access to their facilities their team and their components uh with a very open arms uh so that has significantly significantly added into the development and the whole way the startup were looked at and the way the startups are now looked at currently uh, that has changed significantly for a simple reason because startups can't put set up all those facilities and they don't know what else how to do those things so with the help of isro that process has been very significantly uh expedited with the, uh, from isro side with the help of isro and then there four definitely then because of all this ecosystem developing and thanks to uh, publicity through the missions like this chandrayaan aditya l1 mission that is also very fascination fascinating mission and also, of course all the satellite and uh, gaganyaan mission which is the human mission that is coming up in this year or around next year early next year we are getting a lot of talent who is interested to stay in india and do the space tech aerospace engineering build uh hard technologies hardware software uh so that is that that has fueled the uh, talent part of it so all these four five factors are playing very very nicely so startups are now towards the age uh, stage that they need to start delivering startups who are at four five six years of uh, establishment like us we are at the end now we start we are about to start delivering results and once we start delivering the results in terms of products services uh we can attract even more funding like series b 150 to 100 plus million dollar series c d investment and then that can take the ecosystem to whole new level and hopefully next 5 7 years uh, not a big fan but can, india can have their first space unicorn uh in, and we'll all support root for it and hopefully we have many more going forward so we see the very huge potential 
potential was never a problem the uh, money was the issue but that that is changing rapidly and that was supported because of the change in the government and government policies prime minister himself had department of space so he personally had minister as a prime minister office and then he heads the department of space and then he de- heads another department that is department of atomic energy and these two other departments are very critical for the you know the new age sustainable development so and he personally is very passionate about the space so he interacts regularly with the startup spend some time whenever he get time he talks to them understand what are the challenges if he can do something on those things so so that that helps a lot to motivate it's it's very good to hear all of these you know th- th- very dynamic developments and i mean speaking of the funding and and you yourselves manas too you announced the 3 million dollar uh, pre series a round yesterday and for, for full disclosure the venture fund i'm involved in e2mc is was one of the uh, three funds leading that round so with all of these exciting things going on in in indian space what what's next do you think what's the next big thing is it going to be sending um indian astronauts on on an indian vehicle to space or what could yeah, it be yeah for sure that yes that is exact, exactly the next milestone for indian space can we have indian as astronaut or uh human into the space on indian vehicle that's the next target hopefully this year and or early next year that's what we are targeting uh, country is targeting uh, we are looking for india is also waiting uh, once the aditya l1 mission reaches uh, sun in next 3 4 orbit 3 4 months and it start doing the hello orbit so how how can we get some early data and see if we can get some closer looks at uh sun so that will be a very interesting development so a lot of interesting things are in pipeline for isro there are more missions uh, nisar mission is there uh, which is along with uh, nasa along uh, this is a one of the probably the most expensive satellite uh, for the earth, earth observation so that is another next interesting milestone it can you know uh, it can unveil a lot of things that is happening on the earth so that will be a next major looking forward uh, objective mission there's going to be continued inspiration for for Absolutely. the kids but it was it was so great uh, to to hear those anecdotes you were you were telling about your knees and so forth um i think that sort of foretells a, a great f- continued future for for indian space and actually i i can see it myself i mean you may know that i have a few online space education courses out there mm-hmm. and i was just looking at the statistics yesterday and the second biggest uh, national group after the us for my courses is is students from india uh, it's like 15% of our students and i was that was very good to see but to shall we coming kind of towards the the end here of this podcast i mean you could go on for hours talking about indian space <laughs> but our traditional last question is always the same um which is about science fiction do, do you like science fiction and if yes what are some of your favorites Oh of course why not science fiction i mean that's where you know everything starts i think is with the science fiction every space uh, company ceo engineer someone or the other has the science fiction in the mind science fiction is maybe multi planetary mission that is definitely you can i i don't want to say science fiction because that becomes uh, because we are working towards making it reality so maybe we can go to uh, say moon and then immediately to the mars and then we get some resources from some of the asteroid uh, say helium 3 or more of a platinum and all those things and then bring back to the earth uh, reduce some load on the earth and become you know like the way we travel from one country to another country can we do that regularly for one one planet to another planet with uh, stops in between like moon and uh, other things so if we can do that that's definitely and that to a very short maybe in this lifetime 
So I want to make I believe that as a more of a goal than science fiction. Okay, so that's fair enough. So rather than consuming science fiction, you guys are actually working on on the science fiction. Yeah. But I guess sort of on the arts aspect, very interesting to see. Um, and uh, I, I don't know the, the Bollywood, the Indian uh, film industry that well, but maybe now with all of the excitement about space, it's going to be time for some Bollywood space themed movies. Absolutely. So we, I actually, uh, we had supported some of the writers to some of the script. Uh, to make it more authentic through the space side. There was one TV series so, regarding the space cyber attack, space satellite attack through uh, signals uh, colliding to satellites. So we helped them to make script more authentic, give the more real life to this thing. So hopefully if that comes out, that might be one of the good start for uh, our Bollywood, maybe. And that's great, because then that's going to bring the space industry and what's going on in space to even more people in, in a different Absolutely. way. Tushar, thank you so much for spending the time today. Very interesting to hear about both Manas 2 and, and what's going on in Indian space in, in general. So again, thanks. Thank you, Rafael. Thank you, whole team. And uh, looking forward to meet you in personally soon, hopefully very soon. For sure. Well, that's it for another nominal episode of the Space Business Podcast. If you like this podcast, please consider giving it a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform, such as iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore space. Also consider supporting us at www.patreon.com forward slash space business podcast. If the podcast got you interested in learning more about the business opportunities in the space economy, check out my new online course on space entrepreneurship on udemy.com. The link is in the episode description. Lastly, if you have any feedback, including ideas for guests, and that may include yourself if you have an exciting space story to tell, or interested in being a sponsor, drop us an email at spacebusinesspodcast at gmail.com. I look forward to seeing you for the next episode.